Hey, Faith Church. Good morning, good afternoon, whenever you happen to be listening to this podcast. I'm Claire Kingsley, and it's go time. This is a special podcast series that we are releasing during our Global Outreach Conference. During the two-week conference, we're releasing five podcasts promoting our five different missionaries, the Dunkers, the Cluffs, the Singletaries, the Shrums, and Kathy Small. The purpose of our podcast series is to introduce them to you, hear a few stories from their time in missions, and then we are hoping and praying that when you hear these stories, it'll prompt you to praise God for the work that God is doing in and through our missionaries around the world. We also are going to encourage you to prayerfully consider joining their support team, prayer support, financial support, or reaching out with encouragement. On today's podcast, I am interviewing Andy and Janet Singletary, and I really enjoyed my time with them, so I hope that you enjoy listening to this podcast. They've been a part of our missions family for 19 years and have been on staff with Servant Partners for the last 12 years, serving in San Jose, California. They have a strong heart for compassion and justice, and I think it's fitting that we're listening to their podcast and learning from them right as we are wrapping up our series in Micah. I hope that the podcast surprises you the way my interview with them and my time with them surprised me. I apologize in advance. Some of the sound quality was difficult to work around. You'll hear a garbage truck here and there, um, maybe a fan or two. And um, if you would just bear with us and please stick it out through the length of the podcast, I promise it's worth it. Thank you so much. And here's my interview with Janet and Andy Singletary. Andy and Janet, it's so good to be with you guys. Good. We are glad to be here. Yeah, thanks, Claire. It's great to... uh talk with you all. It's a privilege. Thank you for carving out time to talk with us. So Andy and Janet, um, whichever one of you would like to go first, give us an idea of who you are for people who don't know about you. They aren't, um, this is for someone who's not on your support team. What should they know about you and your ministry? What do you guys do on a regular basis? Yeah, so we are in coronavirus time, so it does look quite a bit different than it did six months ago. Um, I think our ministry has always been, and what Servant Partners is about, is what's called incarnational ministry, um, where there is a rootedness and proximity to um, those around us. So meaning we live in a neighborhood um, of low-income immigrant neighbors, and we've lived here for about 10 years. And the whole point is to um, live alongside, so get to know neighbors, get to know their needs. Um, We used to run uh, an after-school program at the local elementary a few blocks away. Um, And the students there, you know, we would have about 50 students where we'd be teaching the Bible, but more importantly, um, even than that, um, the scripture is there, but also just loving, stable adults for kids. And so... Um, we have gotten to know their families through that program and then um, in the last five years have started a church plant um, from folks in the neighborhood. So um, originally being in San Jose, because Server Partners works around the world, but being in San Jose is a launch point, um, a place where we have um, grown up um, interns. So young adults who often have finished college um, and are considering urban ministry they come to live uh, alongside us in our neighborhood for about two years um, under our direction and leadership and um, just try to experience uh, living um, here and doing ministry. And so those are sort of different aspects of our ministry. It's a church plant that we help to pastor. Um, 
and the um, work with interns. Um, so we've had, this is our fourth class of interns to live here. Um, and so, uh, yeah, it's been a privilege to walk alongside folks who are trying to discover whether they want to do urban ministry long-term um, here overseas um, and uh, to work with the church plant. And then Andy um, runs sort of the third aspect of our ministry called Bridge Communities. Yeah, so San Jose Bridge Communities uh, tries to create community across bridges. So uh, between types of people who wouldn't normally get to know each other. Um, so our, our neighbors who are predominantly Spanish speaking immigrant families with mostly church friends or other connections that we have um, trying to build and make a place for mutually blessing friendships. Uh, it's my conviction that serving people in need usually doesn't, it, well, it misses part of the goal by leaving out any sense of social connection across that socioeconomic barrier, and we're trying to correct that. When did you realize that this is something you were passionate about? Because as you're talking, I could just hear that it's your heart. And so tell us um, how it began or how God placed this on your heart as something for you to pursue in missions. Yeah, so I think um, that particular passion for cross-class friendships grew really just out of experience. So we have planted ourselves in our neighborhood together. And then before that, for about 10 years, I was living here and trying to do incarnational ministries um, in the same neighborhood. And it felt like such a privilege for me from a you know, middle-class background to be able to get to know neighbors who otherwise I would have no chance to, to befriend. And basically the idea is just to spread that privilege to more, to more people. Mm -hmm. It has been a way that I've come to know God better and a way that I've come to see compassion and justice, big themes for Christian faith. Um, and so basically, I want more people to be able to have that opportunity. Andy, you said that you've come to know more about God's character through this mission and through his heart for justice and compassion. So either you or Janet could answer, or maybe you both have some different perspective of what is that? Like, what have you learned through this mission that you could share with us that we might um, also learn from you? Well, I think we see throughout scripture that God works on the margins. Um, he chose the Israelites, who were a slave people, to be his followers. And, you know, Jesus wasn't born in the palace in Jerusalem. He was born in the stable in Bethlehem. Um, but I think if you're only ever around people who are chasing power and comfort, then you can easily miss that truth about God. And I, I would say that's the main thing, just seeing how God works 
um, and loves the poor and the marginalized. Um, getting that past uh, sort of a conceptual intellectual ideal and into the lived reality of my neighbors mm -hmm. has been the biggest. Mm -hmm. Janet, did you want to add anything? Um, I think for me, uh, being in relationship with our neighbors and um, for some people at, at Faith Church you might know, um, Nayeli has come to live with us for the last five years and some of the um, circumstance around that is messy. So a lot of, actually in the last five years, a lot of my ministry has actually been ministering to her family, which um, she's seven to six siblings um, and a lot of nieces and nephews. And so um, lots of uncles and aunts. So um, yeah, there's a significant amount of need um, coming from that. And I think what I've learned in the messiness of it um, is that yeah, for Nayeli, she talks about it as, you know, her family, she didn't have a choice um, with that, but that we do, and that we're often choosing into um, dealing with the messiness of it, and she sort of questions or doesn't really understand that, and so, um, yeah, so I think what I've learned is choosing into um, following God <clears throat> and following Jesus is yeah can be really messy but that there's uh, just a lot of fruit that comes from that just from being present with people um, in the messiness mm -hmm. thank you for sharing your heart with us and why don't you guys share us share a little bit about Nayeli and um what is she up to this fall and uh, how can we be praying for you and for her and your family well, so her her plan for this next year, well, maybe, maybe we should start by saying she just graduated from high school um, and her plan was always to take a gap year uh, before, I mean, she, she's working on college applications now and wants to start in fall of 2021. Um, with all the travel restrictions and everything, the plans have changed to some extent. Uh, but not not as much as we had feared they might. We thought she might just be stuck at home for the whole year. But thankfully, she is going to Mexico City uh, in about a month. Uh, and she will be there for about six months uh, living and working and resting with uh, uh, our servant partners team on the ground there in Mexico awesome. City. Great. And after that, she's going to go to South Africa for a similar experience with her team in Johannesburg. That's awesome. That's wonderful. Um, so why don't you guys tell us some other stories of what God has been doing in your ministry in the last few years or in the last few months since things have all changed? And just tell us these stories that would prompt us as we're hearing them to praise God with you. These are maybe things that you had been praying for and you've seen to come now um, to fruition and we can just celebrate that with you. I think as I shared um, before the after school ministry of Kids Club, um, being able to be at a public school and yeah, share the truth of God with the students. Um, we've been doing it for over five years and 
this year, maybe particularly because of coronavirus time or whatever, but normally after fifth graders graduate, then we started inviting them to the youth group. Um, and in the years past, it has been minimal, the, the amount who actually uh, transition over. Um, but this year, they started, I mean, the, the youth group has been on Zoom, and it actually has been mostly juniors and seniors, and then some sixth, seventh graders. And so this year, there was an influx of a dozen or so um, fifth graders that, or incoming sixth graders, um, that started to join them. And they, it just sort of turned the tide for energy and eagerness <clears throat> and then made the you know the youth leaders have to figure out how do we engage them even though we're in coronavirus time they're pretty frustrated that they can't be in person mm -hmm. um here in california especially santa clara county the guidelines are pretty strict around being together at all yeah. so they ran for the first time instead of going to houseboats which was a huge uh, success last year um, where they lived on houseboats for a week um, and got to engage Jesus and each other in community. So instead of that, this year they did a virtual camp, which, you know, as they were even doing it and making it up for themselves, they were thinking, this sounds kind of lame, but um, it ended up being a huge success. All the kids, you know, so they dropped off baskets of, you know, the different crafts and different um, activities they were going to go do together, ranging from, you know, physical sports activities stuff that they did you know sort of in front of the zoom or a yeah. dream board um you know decorating masks different things and so the kids just tuned in for a couple hours for three days and they had all their stuff laid out and were just like really eager um to be there so i think despite like this particular time in in life um yeah there's been a growth in the youth group and an energy that hasn't been there before and so that's been really um, exciting Similarly, in coronavirus time, um, you know, we haven't been meeting as a congregation in person. Mm -hmm. So we've been doing a ton, you know, a lot of my work um, administratively has been to try to figure out how to connect with congregants, even though we're not in person. And so there's been a lot of holidays, you know, so like Mother's Day, Father's Day, um, anniversary, fifth anniversary of our church, we always celebrate Easter. So basically each one of those holidays, we do some kind of cheap but creative um, gift for them. So we have a number of, you know, partners who will just bake dozens and dozens of things and then we package them and, you know, write notes or we have different congregants write notes to other people. And so my job is to basically coordinate the delivery of all these things. Okay. So we actually are reaching more folks um, because we are <laughs> going to their homes and dropping things off than if they all showed up to church every Sunday, which they don't. Um, so yeah, so it's actually been really great and their appreciation for being known and being thought of, um, often has been really, um, appreciated. People have been really, really grateful, um, for that. So, yeah. Yeah. So, um, both Shalom Iglesia and Bridge Communities are very relational ministries. Uh, we're all about face-to-face -face contact mm -hmm. and friendship. So when coronavirus hit, I was really worried that that was going to just squash everything we were doing, that we're all just going to be stuck in our houses with uh, nobody to talk to. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, um, so we kind of had to uh, reframe our ministry during this time from being all about relationship to 
being some about uh, giving out direct or direct goods for people's needs. Mm -hmm. um, so we, we've never done like stimulus style cash handouts or food distribution, that kind of ministry before. And in fact, sort of avoided it. But in this time, both because of the restrictions of the time and because of the economic downturn, people are more, more directly in need than they have been before. Mm -hmm. um, and the real blessing that like the thing, the way that God has shown up is that people have actually been very generous in these months so far. So we've had more money and more goods uh, to distribute to the people in need than we ever had before. Um, and then for bridge communities anyway, um, the act of doing that has ended up in God's miraculous way. It has ended up growing the leadership and community of our members in ways that we didn't expect. So there, some of them are the people in charge of the kitchen and the distribution stuff for the food services that we were providing. So even in driving all the way down to the most basics of people's needs, uh, God has found a way to meet their sort of bigger communal, uh, I don't know, self-actualization needs at the same time. That's awesome. Praise God that that. And I'm hearing as you guys are talking, um, it seems like I'm hearing like some repeated themes about just like missional living and missional community and um, building these relationships, which makes me think, what is your philosophy of urban ministry? And has it changed since you guys have, um, as you've grown in ministry over the last 12 years doing this? Yeah, uh, I would say <clears throat> the philosophy of ministry, yeah, has always been mostly because servant partners, that is their, um, yeah, goal and mission is to live and serve among the urban poor, and so it's a pretty simple uh, mission, um, but the way that we sort of see it or engage it is that servant partners has nine signs of transformation. So there are ways in which we can see signs. We would never say like, oh, we came here, we did this, and now this neighborhood is transformed. But it is like um, seeing signs of God that there is transformation happening. Um, and so we look for those, whether that's um, seeing people engage in community organizing, seeing economic stability, um, education access for all um, people, healthcare, different things. So there's, you know, a number of, different ways to see the signs of transformation and we've been able to see that over time uh, as we've lived alongside neighbors uh, gotten to know them and you know I think not that things have changed necessarily um, in ministry but we've had to learn and grow and hone so our church plants because of our you know classes of interns of mostly relocator privileged folks coming to live in the neighborhood the church is a very mixed um mixed economy church and so we've had to like institute a rule or a guideline that helps us as a church to be the church to people so if someone is in need specifically um everyone's always sort of told you can't tap another person um just because you know you know that their work as an engineer or whatever but mm -hmm. all needs, all needs go through the church so there's a benevolence fund that gets tapped all the time but your encouragement is go speak to a pastor go fill out the benevolence application 
um, and the church as a whole will support you because everyone's tithing and everyone is, that's how we help. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's just the idea of how, um, yeah, how can we best not create dependency in such a way that it's, we're dependent upon rich in whatever fashion that might be. And I think that's a lot of times <clears throat> some of the issue with urban ministry or ministry among the poor is the sense of what's created is dependency, a service given and received versus <clears throat> working mutually for the betterment, the transformation of our neighborhood together and our world. Mm-hmm. So um, either one of you could answer this question. As I'm hearing you talk about how you are serving your neighbors and being a part of a missional community and living intentionally in your neighborhood. I wonder, do you guys stick out at all? You know, maybe do people know that you're there because, um, yeah, because you have to, but because you choose to, like something that Janet was saying, you're choosing to enter into that messiness. And um, do other people notice that? And then how do they respond? Do they feel like you don't belong because you aren't a like um, Spanish-speaking family that has to be a part of this uh, poor community? How do you, do you stick out and how do they respond to that? We do stick out. Uh, it is, uh, yeah, it is an issue we have to uh, work with. Um, I think par- parts of Nayala's family still don't really understand our, our job. Um, like I, so I finished my degree at Fuller Seminary four years ago. And I remember before then, it was always sort of a, an easy out to say, oh, I need to go study because people understand what being in school means. So that, that's a category that everybody can sort of click into. Um, but yeah, I think there's not an obvious job and working and working hard is such a big deal yeah. in our neighborhood and yeah, such a big value for, uh, for our people. Um, that, yeah, I, I think it's a little bit of a barrier. Um, but we, I think it basically ends up meaning that we're with the church, we're pastors, and this is one of the ways that the church is weird. <laughs> and, um, there's something about work and livelihood that is different among God's people. Yeah. And it's a very interesting, um, like, like when we were meeting in person, so it's most of the, um, yeah, old interns or other folks who are sort of serving behind the scenes. Um, we are sort of wanting to be a Latino first church. So our, even even if on a day there's more English speakers than Spanish speakers, the serm, everything is primarily Spanish and then translated into English. Um, there is a sense that everything is, you know, and we've, we've talked about this, you know, for youth group and stuff, the leaders at this point um, uh, are, um, North American, they're white or Asian, 
Um, they're raising up someone right now who's at Biola, who's hopefully going to come back and be youth pastor um, from the neighborhood. But for now, um, and so just easy choices, right? Easy choices to order Costco pizza because it's easier um, or have X, Y, and Z for food when you have an after church activity. And mm -hmm. so just challenging them to have like cultural food to, especially for the second generation of our church, um, things like that is to really focus um, on them. So we do stick out, but we're always making intentional choices to, to honor and to keep the keep folks culture um, as well we, as we can. <clears throat> and I do think those sticking out, I think language learning. So um, I would actually probably give Faith Church the credit for, you know, sort of my foundations. I started learning Spanish early, but being able to be immersed through um, different trips and things that I did with Faith um, to Mexico and to Costa Rica and to see the Dodrills um, in Spain. Um, really gave me a foundation. And so it is weird. Mostly I stick out in that they can really see that I'm not uh, Mexican, but that I can speak Spanish fairly well. And it sort of befuddles them a little bit. Um, but yeah, so we do stick out, but I do think that sense of rootedness, so not just being in proximity, but Andy's been around this neighborhood for 20 years almost, um, and me for about 10. So it's that choosing to enter into the messiness, but to stay and to continue to be here helps. Let's talk about your support needs. Could you tell us specifically your support needs, whether they're financial or prayer or needing encouragement um, and just people being on your team and cheering you on? What do you need? And then um, considering what you're lacking, how does that impact your day-to-day -day ministry? Yeah, so for those of you who have been on our support team um, previously, you may know, but we, for the last five years or so, have engaged in a more communal pot model for raising support. So our numbers often look much worse than, than they should if you are thinking that we are raising just for ourselves. Um, so we have seven members on our team and they come from varying um, backgrounds varying levels of being resourced. And mm -hmm. so our um, hope in doing fundraising this way as a team um, is sort of an act of justice for um, being able to have people on our team, not just those who are able to get and rally support um, around themselves when they um, aren't, are not um, able to access those resources um, or have, have access to those. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, so our, <laughs> our numbers are very large um, in that we are trying to raise for everyone. So um, our last prayer letter, I think, declared we are um, probably in need of about 5000 um, per month for everyone to get paid regularly and, yeah, to be in a safe spot for everyone. Um, because one of our, yeah, one of our goals and hopes is that yeah, each person would be paid for their money. So, you know, our staff, Annabelle, um, just came on two years ago. She wrestled with the idea of coming on staff for three years before that, if not more, um, because of the fundraising aspect of it. Uh, she had been doing social work. She's gotten a degree from Fuller. She's a very capable and amazing person that grew up on the east side of San Jose and wanted to continue to do ministry there. Um, 
but to not have a guaranteed paycheck uh, that she didn't have to raise, um, yeah, felt frightening. So for us to be able to bring her on um, and carry that load with her um, has been a real blessing, but the blessing is for us that she gets to run Bridge Communities and that it's not just Andy, the white guy, running Bridge <laughs> Communities in San Jose. So yeah, so, so for us, we feel really mutually blessed to have a really diverse team in a lot of ways, um, but raising support for that whole team is, is a bit stressful. Uh, so yeah, the way that it works for us is that if a paycheck is going to be um, slashed, uh, it would be ours first. That's only happened a couple of times um, in this process. Uh, so our hope is to grow our escrow, which means having, you know, sort of a little bit of extra there for months that are thinner or for times like coronavirus where people have had to stop giving support and things like that. So our goal would be to have a $20,000 escrow in addition to the 5,000 a month that's, that's still needed. Mm -hmm. And I um, am so glad that you took the time to explain to us why the model changed, why you guys changed, because now I just see that the, the um, that your philosophy of ministry even goes down into just like the very basic support needs for your team and it matches and it's unified. Um, it's very clear that um, it is a team. You guys are working together. It's missional, it's intentional, and it's not every man for themselves in your neighborhood and it's not every man for themselves on your you know, missions team. So thank you for taking the time to explain that to us. Was there anything that you wanted to add, Andy? Uh, I think I'll just say that this is a major justice issue in missions organizations uh, across the country, certainly probably across the world. If you look at people who are doing missions on the field, they are predominantly white, middle or upper class, privileged people. Uh, yet the people they're ministering to especially in urban ministries like ours, are uh, less resourced people of other, other ethnicities. Um, so, and many, many people from uh, those backgrounds would like to do missions, maybe even feel called to do missions, but are stuck by the fundraising model that we have. So this is our small attempt, at least on our little team, to uh, bring some equity to, to missions staffing. Yes, wow, and I'm so glad, I'm just hearing this and like having this realization that I've never considered missions to be, to be able to be a, sent as a missionary to also be something that's a privilege, like, or come from a place of privilege. Um, and that you, as you said, you have people who don't have the connections of an amazing sending church or growing up in a church. Um, where do you draw from if you became a Christian, um, you know, like after you grew up and left the home and um, you don't have the support of family and community and a church, then, but you feel, you know, you're called to do this. So, wow, you guys, you just blew my mind. <laughs> Thank you so much for teaching me. And I hope that other people as they're listening also realize the work that you're doing. And we actually are just wrapping up a series in studying Micah about justice and um, 
I think this is some, like fits in really well. Things that we've been learning about changes that need to be made and how can we be a part of those change that change and I just would like really encourage people who are listening that by joining their your team they get to be a part of that change um so that's an encouragement to me and I hope to those who are listening so if someone was to join your team as a new team member what do you wish what's one thing that you wish you could say to them they're joining your team in any of the ways financial prayer support or encouragement giving encouragement and receiving updates you know we because i've been supported by faith church for over 20 years um in ministry or almost 20 years in ministry um yeah i have the the privilege of having people who have been praying for the ministry for a really long time and so i think i'm grateful for that and yeah i want to encourage people if intercession is um, a gift of yours like we would love to partner with you and um, be able to send prayer requests and know that they're being uh, prayed for right away um, we are in need of that on you know that particular side of our ministry um, but I do also want to say thank you for the missionary care team um, whenever we come home or whenever we're just being out here um, receiving cards and letters um, gifts and just encouragement um, from the missionary care team, just having a group of people who rallies um, other folks to bless and encourage us is really um, thoughtful and um, helpful to us um, on the field. Uh, and when we come home and get to come to India to see people, um, it is a huge blessing. Um, so I'm really grateful. Andy, um, maybe you actually have something else you could share. Maybe a lot of people at Faith don't know you. As we've gone throughout the interview, um, many people who are listening know who Janet is, and they've seen her grow, and they've sent her out and commissioned her. Um, and now you've, uh, since you guys have been married, being a part of the missions family together, but people might not know you as well. So what would you want to say to not just a new person on your team, but to anyone at Faith Church listening, what are some fun things they could learn about you just to get to know you a little bit better? Um, <clears throat> well, first I want to say that I'm sorry for stealing Janet from Indiana. Um, I think, well, so one of the things about me is I, I love to read and I love uh, kind of the culture of books and like actual books in my hand. Um, and uh, part of my job these last few months has become editing Servant Partners Press. Uh, so our organization has a very small publishing arm and I'm, I've been leading it the last few months. Um, so that feels like uh, the next step in me answering my, I, I think it was like a, like a dual call, both to do direct ministry and to teach others to um, do direct ministry. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so um, putting, reading material into the world uh, to try and teach others about uh, this urban ministry thing. That's something mm -hmm. that I love and hope to do. That's awesome. That's a way that we can be praying for you. 
in as your ministry continues and continues to change and grow as God is leading you guys into these uh, different opportunities. Mm -hmm. Thank you guys so much for giving us your time today and being able to share your heart for missions and um, being honest about just what God is doing in and through you and through your family in the mess and also the joy. Uh, we appreciate you sharing that with us. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Faith Church, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to listen to one of our Go Time podcasts and to listening to my interview with Andy and Janet Singletary. I hope that you enjoyed it as much as I did. As you're listening, if you feel compelled to join their team and be a part of their mission, serving and living among the urban poor, we want to make it easy on you. That's why we have our commitment form attached in the show note links at the bottom of the podcast. You can also find the commitment form on our GoTime page. We appreciate you engaging in our GoTime content. If you have questions about other events or podcasts, you can hopefully find everything you need to know at our homepage, faithchurchindy.com, or on our GoTime page, faithchurchindy.com slash GoTime.